are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Tonight, we're, we're really honored to, uh, to have a friend of Resurgence, but a friend of mine, a friend of the lead teams, um, Jim Hall. And Jim is the leader, director, I, I don't know his official title, but president, I, you know, something very big and long, I'm sure, um, I'm joking, uh, of House of Prayer Edmonton. And uh, he's led that for 15 years. And um, they've celebrated 15 years just recently, and uh, it's an it's an incredible um, kingdom ministry in this city, and and we connected probably about 10 years ago, and Jim was just reminding me last night one of the early resurgences, the House of Prayer partnered and came into the basement of where we were meeting at the Paramount, and they would pray. They didn't see what was going on above, but they were praying for what was happening. And that was the first time we really partnered, and we just began this relationship where we've done burns together and, and worship things together, and we just, we just finished five days of fasting and prayer together, and just we're believing for this capital region. We're believing for it, and they contend, oh, they have prayer room open all the time. People are coming, and they're praying. They're doing this new thing called Immerse that's happening. It's like a 10-week intensive thing where you can come and be part of it, and, um, and maybe just mention that off the top. Would you do that? And and just, uh, just some amazing things. They've been partnering and praying. They pray for your church. They pray for us. They're praying. And so it's an honor to have him tonight, an honor to have him share. And I just believe that we're on the same page when we meet for coffee. It's like, yeah, we're, 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 we're in this together. We're believing this together. God's done something with unity together. And, and I, I just am so honored to, to run with them, to, to support them, to say yes to all that they're doing, and they just supported us so well over the years, and we're, we're really thankful for that. Thankful for you guys. Thankful for those that are here from the House of Prayer tonight, and, um, and thank you for their faithfulness, continuing when it's, when, you know, sometimes it's hard to pray, and yet they keep praying. Sometimes there's not a lot of numbers in the prayer room, and yet they keep praying. And so um, if you're interested in getting involved, talk to him after. Talk to him. They have some people here tonight. Talk to them. Find out what they're doing. Find out how you can go pray and be part of this. It's incredible. So, Jim, would you come? And we just trust you, love you, and uh, let you share with us tonight. Thanks, Dave. Amen. All right. Just going to get my water here. So it's great to be here. I'm, I'm really excited. A few weeks ago when Travis called and just uh, said he was feeling uh, that maybe I should be the one that would, would come and speak tonight, I was really uh, immediately excited about that. And so, uh, yeah, as Travis said, we, we uh, House of Prayer Edmonton, citywide ministry that just really facilitates uh, prayer in, in the capital region for the capital region. Uh, we do prayer uh, every weekday from 9 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. And uh, we also do uh, other things on, like, Wednesday night. We do prayer. Uh, we do a monthly Friday night as well as the, the I think the, one of the most exciting things is we do 24 hours of prayer on a monthly basis. And uh, so for those of you that kind of are like, hey, that sounds kind of interesting, or prayer, or house of prayer, and praying for the city, uh, that 24-hour prayer, uh, in my mind, is really one of the best uh, options because in a 24-hour period, I'm pretty confident that most of us have time uh, somewhere around there that we can, we can jump in and pe people come for like one hour at a time. Obviously the idea isn't that people stay for the entire 24 hours uh, and well, not too many people think that but uh, just to state the obvious 
Uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, we're, we're really excited about uh, just prayer and what God's doing. And, uh, yeah, as Travis said, I don't want to make it a commercial, but we're doing a, a t- we are doing a 10-week intensive called Immerse. And it's really designed for uh, around people that have, uh, they're, they're just in a, in a time of transition between one thing and another. And that might be whether it's a, between jobs or between, like, schooling or whether it's just... Uh, recently retired, and people that have like a, a period of time where they really want to reconnect with God, immerse themselves in, in God and in His presence, and really to get uh, direction and clarity for the next uh, leg of the journey. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's kind of what that's about. We have information on our website about that. And so, um, yeah, let, uh, you know, I'm just going to pray right off the top, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of dig in together. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here in this place. Thank you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love all that you are doing. We just say, Lord, tonight that, that this, is, this is about what you have called and what you desire. And so we want to say yes. We want to surrender ourselves and open up to you. We just right now, we choose, Holy Spirit, to open our heart to what you want to say. Uh, and as I, I just pray this almost every time, Lord, that it would not be with wise or persuasive or, or eloquent words, uh, Lord, that there would be a, but there, there would be a demonstration of your power, a witness on the inside. God, we ask for that. We say, Lord, it's what you have to say, not what I have to say, it's what you are saying. You alone, Jesus, have the words of eternal life, and we want to hear that. We, we come on a daily basis needing needing bread. We need a word from you. We need to hear and commune with you. And so right now, we're wide open right now. We're wide open, and we want you to speak to our hearts. We thank you. We wait in expectation, Holy Spirit. We wait in expectation of what you're going to say and what you will implant into our spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, as we've kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, we just have completed uh, a week of prayer and fasting, a a house of prayer and resurgence we joined together. Uh, We had uh, nightly prayer meetings uh, five uh, five days this week, Monday to Friday, and uh, it was was a powerful time. So it's, uh, it's just, it's fantastic to be able to partner together and to connect with what uh, what God's doing, and, to, and it was awesome just coming night after night and these prayer meetings that were so, so uh, like, so significant and so powerful. Uh, really, the purpose of why we did that, the, like, somebody would say, well, you know, okay, prayer, fasting, that sounds good. Why, why exactly? What's, what's the purpose? Like, did God give a word? Is there a dream? Was there an angelic visitation? And uh, not, not quite, uh, but we just really, we wanted to come and contend for the thing that ho- House of Prayer and Resurgence jointly are all about, and that's to see a spiritual awakening, an outpouring of God's Spirit in the capital region, that we would see this region changed and transformed. That's really what both of our ministries are about, uh, and we wanted to come together and just really contend through prayer and fasting. The second purpose was to start 2019 uh, off with the time of prayer and fasting, really to, to center ourselves around the person of Jesus, that uh, as individuals, as leaders, and as, as ministries, that uh, Jesus would be the center of all that we do, and we are rallying around him. Uh, and really, uh, and so that, that was just, a trim, I think, a very significant time. Uh, I, I, have, I have personal hopes that, that we can do that again uh, together as ministries. And so when, uh, as I said, you know, Travis invited me 
a few weeks ago. He just kind of sent me a text message and asked me if I, if I could speak tonight. Uh, I began to pray about what God would, uh, would kind of have me uh, speak on, and pretty soon my heart really began to be stirred around the story in the Bible of a man named Caleb, and uh, Caleb and Joshua uh, together. And, and so as I, I prayed about that and sought, you know, sought God a little bit more, uh, and, and what, then what I did is I went back and I thought, oh, I, I know that I've spoken on this topic before, and so I went into my notes, and uh, and I discovered something that I was kind of surprised at, that the last time I preached on the story of Caleb was actually 2002. So that's kind of a long time ago. And uh, so tonight, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm just, you know, I get a chance to speak in a number of places, but tonight I'm really excited to have my wife, Pam, and my daughter, Rebecca, here with me. Yeah. Yay. That's good. Now... What was, what was interesting is that uh, Rebecca, who she's about to turn 19. Now, I did ask her if I could embarrass her by talking about her. And uh, she said, yeah, she's used to it. Uh, so she's just about to turn 19. And way back in 2002, you know, she's, you know, getting, getting around two years old. And, uh, and, and so she's coming along. And, and uh, being a parent is serious business, uh, you know, as, as any of you might, might know already. Uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit on the intense side, especially at the beginning when you're sort of like, oh my goodness, this is kind of overwhelming. I don't really know what to do, and I feel overwhelmed. So, you know, in 2002, uh, it was definitely on my mind. It was on my mind, that, you know, what, what is this whole parenting thing? How's it going to work? And, uh, and so as I was, so I referenced Rebecca in the notes that it, when I was speaking on Caleb, uh, the story of Caleb, way back in 2002, uh, and when I, I just pulled it out, and I just want to read something that I, I, I wrote about that. I said, during the Christmas season, I thought about what kind of reflection of Jesus Rebecca sees in me. In particular, does she see an example of someone who loves Jesus extravagantly? Will the example she sees in me help or will it hinder her from becoming a woman whose greatest desire is for Jesus? Put another way, is Jesus Christ the greatest desire of my life? And does the light of that kind of life, does that shine across the path of the people that I interact with? I, and I, was, I read that in my notes from 2002, and I was like, whoa, that's, that's, like, that's like, wow, this was powerful. And so with that in mind, with just with that in mind, I want to actually bring a new message uh, on, the spirit, on, on the person of Caleb. So I'm not trotting out something from like 18 years ago, guys. Uh, it, it, because I actually, I ha, I'm super excited about this. Uh, I've revisited, I've revisited the, the story of Caleb and I've read about it and I've prayed about it and I've, and I've re-engaged again with how much I love the person of Caleb and I love some of the verses around him. Uh, I honestly... Uh, I don't say this very often. I honestly believe that there's a genuine prophetic word uh, of what God is desiring for us in this place tonight. I really believe that. And so you'll, if you'll just kind of join with me for the next while here, I'm going to kind of talk us through the story of Caleb. Because I, I'm, initially I was thinking, oh yeah, everybody knows of Caleb. It's too familiar. And, you know, I said, oh, you know, Maybe people have talked about Caleb before at Resurgence and everything, and, and then I began asking around, and I discovered that, actually, that Caleb, the story of Caleb's actually quite, it's not as familiar as I thought. And so some of you know who I'm talking about, 
in the Bible, and others of you, this will be brand new information. And if, if it is, I really, really want to advertise the story of Caleb. It's, it's fantastic. It's found in Numbers 13, uh, thir- chapters 13 and 14, okay? So what I'm going to do is kind of just sort of walk through it with you. I'm not going to, we're not going to go verse by verse through, uh, you know, I'm a Bible guy, uh, you know, I love the fact that we're in a Baptist church because my, my tradition is Baptist. And I want to, so this, this building and the shape of this building is super familiar to me. And it's, it's just really good. I feel at home even though I've never been here. You know, it's great. I'm like, oh, yeah, the arch is right there and it's cool. Like I know about three other buildings that are exactly like this in the, in the city. It's, it's cool. All right. So this is actually the story of, of Caleb and Joshua. Uh, scouting out the, pro- the promised land in Canaan, okay? Now, what happens is, is that Numbers 13 and 14, you have this extraordinary promise that's beginning to be fulfilled, that long ago the Lord had said to Israel, uh, and I won't trace back, but just it's a long time before, God had made a promise, and he said, I'm going to bring you into the land. I'm going to bring you into the, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, I'm going to, this promise. And so the, the people of Israel, the, the, the Hebrew people, they go through this time of bondage. They're in Egypt. Things are brutal. They're there for hundreds of years. It's super intense. Then God raises up a famous guy named Moses. He comes on the scene, and there's the whole let my people go deal. And he just, you know, he leads the people out, and it's time for them to be brought out of Egypt and into the promised, the promised land. And the promised land, I mean, it's got absolute geographic, physical importance. However, it also simultaneously speaks of the promises of God that he makes to our lives, to, you know, to regions, to cities, to nations. He's made all kinds of promises, and the Lord wants to take us into those promises. And so as you're hearing about the promised land, it's about really entering into the promises uh, that the Lord has. And that's really what's going on here. So the story begins, Numbers 13, it begins with uh, God telling Israel that it is now time to go and explore the land, okay? So what God does is he, he, calls, he calls Moses and he says, Moses, I want you to pick 12 guys. I want you to take 12 guys and I want them to go and scope out the land. They're going to go and search it out. They're going to see what it's like. They're going to explore and so they're going to go on this expedition. Now, the expedition goes for 40 days, okay, which ends up being quite important. So, so they, they take 40 days, and they, they launch out, and they, they come back, and they return. And I'm, I'm going to read a few verses of what happens when they return. Okay, so they come back, and they gave Moses this account. This is a quotation from the scriptures here. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. I mean, it's really good. And here, they even brought back some of the fruit. But the people, they said, but the people who live in the land are powerful. And the cities, they're fortified and they're very large. And then Caleb silenced the people. He, Caleb stands up. He silences the people before Moses. And he says, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. But the other men who had gone up with him, said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land that we explored devours those who live in it. All the people we saw there are of great physical size, like enormous type dudes. 
We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And I just wanted to kind of zoom in on that, on that phrase. You know, they, they come back and they, and, they, and they make this statement. So what happens is, is that there's this, these 12, they've gone out for 40 days. They come back, and they're giving a report. Now, 10 of them, the majority of them, 10 of them are saying, yeah, it's an incredible, it's an incredible place. It's, um, it's amazing. It's beautiful. The land flow, flows with milk and honey. There's like gigantic grapes everywhere, and like great fruit is fantastic. But they, but they looked around, they saw all the people that were there, and, they, and their conclusion was the people that are living in that land that we'd have to go and fight against, there's, they're way too big. They're huge, they're big, they're strong. The obstacles are too big. The obstacles are too much, is what these, what these people said. But then Caleb and Joshua, they're standing up and they're saying, wait a minute, we have a different view. We have a different view. And we believe that we can surely do it. You know, it's, it says, we should, Caleb stood up and he said, we should go up. We really should go up and we should take possession of the land because we sure, certainly can do it. But the other 10, they, they went around and they sort of had a little, you know, they had a bit more influence and they, they stirred up a bad report and they kind of, they got everybody in the whole, all of the Israelites, you know, thinking pretty negatively about it. And they just basically said it can't be done. And so in, in a nutshell, what they said is they got the whole group of Israel to say, you know what, let's just go back to Israel or let's go back to Egypt. It would be better for us to be back in Egypt. It would be better for us, which is essentially this. It's essentially saying we would be better off as slaves back in Egypt. We would be better off just going back. Why are we in this desert? They became very, very frustrated. And so basically, you can summarize it as saying that the people come along and they want to stage a coup. And they actually go so far as to decide that they actually, they begin to threaten to stone Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron are the guys in charge and all the people, they just get really overwhelmed and they decide that they're going to stay, they want to stage a coup and stone Moses and Aaron to, to death. So Moses and Aaron are a little bit overwhelmed by that. But anyways, so what happens, so they, there's this big kerfuffle and there's the, the majority of people are saying, let's go back, let's go back to Egypt. Let's forget this land and forget where we came from. It's no use. The challenges are too big. We can't figure it out. Let's just go and we'll go back and we'll just, we were better off in Egypt. But then Joshua and Caleb, they stand up and they get everybody's attention. Okay, they get everybody's attention. And now let me read what they said because this, this to me is awesome. It says this, Joshua and Caleb, who were amongst those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only this, do not rebel against the Lord. Don't do it. Don't rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people in the, of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But then the people, so they make this impassioned plea that's summarized in, the, in those verses. That basically say, don't do it. Don't rebel against God. Remember that God's on our side. That God is for us. You know, that we would, we would sort of say, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's really that is the statement that's being made. And so they're saying, don't do this. Because if you, if you walk away from this thing right now, you're actually, you're turning your back on God is what they're saying. 
But the people, they don't listen. They, they don't listen. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's such an intense moment. Like, you kind of read through it, and you can just motor through it. But if you try and enter in, like, I've just started sort of trying to imagine each part, of the, each part of the journey and stuff like this. All of a sudden, so the people, they make this impassioned plea. The people go, nope, we're going back. That's it. We're going to stone Moses and Aaron. We're going to raise up some new leaders that are going to take us back to Egypt, and we'll go and we'll surrender back to Pharaoh. Well, Pharaoh's dead by this point. But anyways, that's another side. <laughs> then all of a sudden, here's the most amazing thing. God steps into the scene. He sort of says, that's it. I'm going down. And, he got, and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord appears. Like, wham. It appears. The glory of the Lord appears physically and visibly. And God, he's a little, you know, he comes across as a little bit frustrated. Okay? This is what he says. He says this. This is God speaking. He says to Moses. He's talking to Moses. And he's, Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they treat me with contempt? How long will they, ref will they refuse to believe in me in spite of the miracles that I've performed amongst them? And just think about this. This is a staggering thing. And that's, that's important because as a ministry, resurgence, as a community, you believe that God does miracles, that he is the God of miracles, that he heals the sick, that he raises people up, that he, he, he removes disease and sickness and responds to our prayers. But the reality is, is that even when God is doing things like that, I mean, the most amazing things, people can be raised from the dead. And even in the midst of that, our hearts can be hard. And that's the reality. We just say, oh, Lord, keep, me soft. keep my heart soft. Keep my heart responsive to you. And he's saying, he's saying this, like, how long are, you, are they going to refuse to believe in me in spite of all of the miracles that I've done? And those were some major league top-notch miracles that were going on. Like, those were definitely top-shelf stuff that, that's going on. And so God basically, I'm going to summarize God says to Moses, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going to wipe them all out, I'm going to just, and we're going to start all over with you. Right? Now, that's not good news for all those people that are there. Right? But then, this is where the house of prayer guy in me gets really, really excited. Okay? Then Moses jumps in, and he launches into one of the great demonstrations of intercession ever. Moses is incredible. Now, the whole, thing is, you know, the whole thing is a setup. God was setting Moses up because he knew Moses would intercede. And God wanted to, he, he wants to, God, Moses to do that. But basically, Moses, I'm not going to read the verses because I'm fast-forwarding through the, through the verse, through the scriptures. But basically, Moses, because literally God said, that's it, I'm going to kill them all and I'm going to start over with you. Now, if I had been Moses, I think they were about to kill me, so okay, let's do that. You know, or something. You might want to be tempted to do something like that. But, but, of, can, think about it. These people were about to kill him. And what's his response? His response, no, Lord, no, don't do it. Don't, don't, no, Lord. I mean, I'm in, you know, dramatizing. But he goes, no, Lord. Because if you, if you do, if you do that, then everybody, all the nations around are going to hear about it. All the nations, they're going to hear, and they're going to they're go, well, God wasn't able to deliver them. God brought him, God, this, who's this God? The Lord the Lord Almighty, like, who is he? He brought him out of Egypt, but he couldn't bring him into the land. He couldn't fulfill, God, this big God couldn't fulfill his promises is really what Moses, honestly, what he says. And so he says, no, Lord, 
Because then the other nations, they'll hear about what you did. And it won't, your, your name won't be exalted. Okay, so he, he launches into this intercession. And as somebody who, you know, somebody who's very, very, you know, I kind of want to grow in intercession. I want to be, I want to grow up to be like Moses a little bit, you know, like just, oh, Lord, to be able to, to be able to cry out and contend. And then listen to this, okay? The Lord replied, I have, he, he says, forgive them. He says, no, Lord, forgive them for what they've said. Forgive them for what they've done. Forgive the people. And the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. And that just absolutely just grips me every time. As you have asked, the Lord says, I have, already, I have forgiven them. The whole thing was a setup. Like he wanted, he wanted to, 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 to forgive. He wanted to forgive them. And so, you know, he, there's this great prayer, of, a great prayer of intercession. And then, then there's this awesome statement. So what happens next is he says, look, I have forgiven them, Moses, but here's the thing. There still are consequences. There still are consequences. And he says this, not one of the people that grumbled against me and, didn't be, and failed to believe in my promises, not one of them will see the promised land. Not one of them. They're going to die in the desert. So Israel ends up wandering around the desert for 40 years. Why? So that all those people end up dying. Just natural causes. They end up dying in the desert. Okay? But then he says this, and this, is the, this just grips me. And I really, hope, I really hope that the Spirit of God just grip us with this thing. Verse 24 of Numbers 14. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Now, I'm just going to read that again. But because my servant Caleb, I see him, I see my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, he has a different spirit about him, and because of that, because he believed in me, because he, he, he understood who I was, because of that, I will bring him into the, I'm going to bring him into the land and he will inherit it and his, and his descendants will inherit it. Now, there's an incredible thing and I just, that is if you highlight your Bible at all or underline it or do something to, you know, identify, I really, uh, Numbers 14 uh, verse 24 is, uh, is to me a must in like the, the biggest bold because it's, you, I want to be that man. I want to be like that. You want to be like that. What's God saying over your life right now? How would he describe you? What would he say over you? Think about it. It's kind of, I mean, for some, some it's kind of scary. and go, oh, I don't have any idea. But here's a, here's a wild thought. Here's a wild thought that I've had for, like, well, since before 2002, evidently. <laughs> I want God to say, Jim had a different spirit. I want him to say, Jim had a different spirit. He followed me wholeheartedly. At the end of my life, when I stand before him, that is absolutely one of the principal visions that I have from my life, to stand before him and for him to say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, but you had a different spirit about you. You followed me wholeheartedly. I, I've said this for well over 20 years now, that when I stand before him, I, the words that I'm looking to hear are you, I called you to love me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And I want the Lord to say to me on that day, you did it. You actually did it. You loved me that way. 
Because that is what he's looking for. That is the one thing he's looking for. He's told us in advance what he's looking for. Men and women that will love with all of their heart, soul, and mind and strength. Now, just because, you know, I think this is, I get so excited about this. I just want to tell you the rest of the story. There's a really, really powerful next part of the story that a lot of people don't know about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. It's more than that. I, I really... So 40 years go by, right? They're going to wander around the desert for 40 years. And there's lots of people that aren't making it. And so they, find, so they go by. 40 years, they're wandering in the desert. Joshua takes over because Moses died. And then the time finally comes again for them to take possession of the promised land. So that's the book of Joshua, in case you're wondering. The whole book of Joshua is them taking the land and doing all that stuff. Okay? So in Joshua 14 we find out what Caleb does next. It's the next part of the story. It's the one that not too many people know about. So Caleb goes to Joshua. Now, now get this. Now, if anybody, I won't ask for a show of hands, but anybody who's over the age of 40, that's me, uh, you know, this, this, this really, you can track with this, okay? Caleb, and jo- Caleb goes to Joshua, and he says, this is what he says to Joshua. Now, hey, Joshua, yo, Josh, now then, just as the Lord promised... He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. Now, honestly, that is simply amazing. He's 40 year, 45 years, okay? The man's 85. He's 85 years old. And you know what he's asking? He's saying, because they're about to go into the, into the promised land, and he's saying, I want to go on the battlefield. I want to. 85-year-old guy, no walker, no cane. He's fully there, okay? He's there, and he is engaged with what God... He's like, me, Joshua, don't forget me. Don't just send out the young guys. I want to be on the front lines of what God is doing. I want to be there. And, I, and, I'm, and I just want to say this really clearly. This is a word for anybody who's a bit on the older side here tonight. Okay? God's not done with you at all. There is so much more. There is so much more for all of us in this place. There is so much more that God has. We, I mean, look at that sentence. I am as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous and I to go to battle. Okay? I'm just going to kind of just, I'm going to try to move into what I, think that, what I think that means next. Okay? What exactly does it mean for us to have a different spirit? Like, it's great. Ah, I want to be a, you know, a man and a woman, somebody with a different spirit. Okay. Tangibly speaking, what does that mean? How do I measure that? How do I know if I, what do, you know, I don't understand that it sounds good, but what exactly does it mean in more practical terms? And, you know, how can, how can you and I be a, a people with a different spirit? So there's a couple of observations that I, I'd like to make tonight. Okay. The first one's rather obvious is this. A people with a different spirit are a people of faith. Okay, it's a people of faith. The response of Caleb that Caleb had and Joshua is a, is a response of faith. They believed God. 
They believed God in, in spite of, un, frankly, in, in the natural, insurmountable obstacles. There was no reason. If you read the book of Joshua, you'll understand how it all plays out. There's no natural reason why Israel should have taken the land. There's not. Right? God intervened directly. And out of the 12 people that went, 12 of them went in and looked intensely into the promises, into the promised land. And only two of them had the courage and the faith to actually step into it and to believe for it. And I love, I, I love in resurgence, I love the contending and I love that the spirit of faith that, is, that the leadership calls us to. I love that. I love that. I love the stirring up, not the frothing up. We're not frothing our spirits up that, with this and artificial hype. But there's that thing where we step in and we just say, Lord, I really believe you. I believe that you are the God of miracles. I believe that you can overcome whatever the obstacle is. I love the fact that there's faith to believe that God can heal cancer. I love the fact that there's faith to believe that God can provide financial miracles. That he can open doors that, no, that, that in the natural never should open up. It's easy to be over, overwhelmed. I'm kind of skilled at it at times. I'm trying to get better at you know, not being so overwhelmed. But it's, it's easy to be overwhelmed. But the, out of the 12, only two set their eyes on God. Listen to what he said. Caleb came back and he said, we can do this. Guys, don't forget, God's on our side. He's the Lord. He can do anything. And that's not hype. I mean, he wasn't, he, you know, the hype. And one, but the other guys, the other 10, they stir up all the people in the negative way. They went and, the, you know, they frothed them down or something. And they just, you know, got, all, got them all bummed out and depressed and everything like that. And all Eeyore and everything like that. And, oh, we can't do it. My wife's laughing because I, I'm kind of like Eeyore sometimes myself. <laughs> so that's the Eeyore reference. But... Like, really, that's the, that's the thing. But there's this element of faith. There's this, there's this element of faith. Like, honestly, like, I was, I was thinking. I'm going to skip my notes for a second. Uh, like, I was just thinking about the, just really honestly the boldness that, that Travis, Karis, and, and the others on the lead team, that, that they have to really step out and believe and lead you guys on a monthly basis. Like, it's profound. It's not easy to get up here and say, well, I believe that God is saying, well, I guess you could just make it up, but they're not. Like, they're actually sensing that the Lord is saying, I believe that the Lord says, is saying this. And, and I just say, I just think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that there's leaders that are going, that are actually stepping out and they're risking. They're actually risking. And there's a realm in which, like, if there's no risk, I'm not sure that we're really, like, operating in the whole, in the whole realm of faith that God's calling us to. We, there has to be an element of risk. There ha, we have to get out of the comfort zone and into the discomfort zone in order to really, honestly, to see God move in the kind of ways that we want to see God move. And that's what we need individually. That's what we need as a ministry. That's what we need as a region. Like God, you know, God's raising up people in this region, like a company of people. Can you imagine if there was, I mean, one man, God says that man has a different spirit about him. That man has a different spirit about him, and, and, it, and it just has such a powerful impact. I believe that God's raising up many men and women 
Men and women, old and young, that have a different spirit about them. And they believe God. They take his promises seriously. Like, I just want to. What's the alternative? I don't take God seriously, and I just sort of, you know, bum around with my life. That's lame. I don't want to do that. Like, I'll be, I'll be old, I'll be 85, and I'll, I definitely am not going to be 85. I want to be 85 and full of faith. I want to be 85 and believing and say, I am just as vigorous today. My faith is as vigorous today as it has ever been. That's my vision at 85. I'm a ways away from that, just in case you're wondering. So, observation one is just be people of a different spirit. We're people of faith. This is, that's, that's number one. Number two, and this one I'm going to kind of try and camp on a little bit. Uh, I really believe that, that this is the other aspect of what I, got, I felt God stir into me today. And I was like, oh, these things don't really, you know, I was like, that's, that's not where I would go. But the Lord said, yeah, I think this is where you should go. Uh, you know, God calling us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I want to I talk about the word discipleship. I'm talking about the word, the word discipleship. Uh, being a people of a different spirit are people that take discipleship seriously. And what I mean by discipleship is being trained and transformed and conformed actually into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. In the way that we think, in the way that we speak, in our priorities, in our dreams, our actions, every part of who we are is conformed into the likeness of that great and glorious man, Christ Jesus. There is a, a guy that lived a, a long time ago, many decades ago, famous author named G.K. Chesterton. And he, there's a famous quote that he has that I just want to read, because I honestly, I felt like God just sort of reminded me of it and said, that, this is that. And, and this, is, this is the quote. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Okay. Now, just, let me just say that again. The Christian ideal, insert the word discipleship, the call to discipleship, has not been tried and found wanting. Well, that didn't work. Fooey on that. Move on to the next thing. It has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found very difficult and has been left largely untried. What does he mean by that? The road to discipleship is it's, it's a narrow road. The way to, the, the, the way to non-discipleship is broad. It's broad. Many find, and many are the ones that find it. But the way of discipleship is a narrow road. It is difficult. It is challenging. It actually confronts who we are. It confronts our flesh. It confronts our lusts. It confronts our comforts. But that is the road of discipleship. That is the road that God is calling us to. And, in, and what G.K. Chesterton is saying, is saying, for the most part, it's been people have discovered that it's hard, and they've given up. And not that many people really take the process of discipleship seriously enough. Okay? And so... There's another, there's a passage that I, I just want to, I want to highlight to us uh, and, and bring the two together, okay? And it's because I felt like the Lord said, uh, Ephesians 6, you just put it into my spirit. 
Ephesians 6, all right? It gives us what I think is a, is a real vital insight into, uh, scripturally speaking, what it means to live out uh, being a people of a different spirit, okay? Here's what it says, and many of you know this, this passage well. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authority, against, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want to be a man in the midst of a people that take discipleship seriously and take a stand. We take a stand. I want to be like Caleb. Caleb was a man who got up and said, I'm as vigorous now as I ever was. And I want to fight that, and I want to go out against the enemy. What Paul is saying is he, he's pointing out in a different way. He's, he's saying, guys, our, our, we don't have those kind of same enemies. We're not, our battle isn't really going out and, and trying to, you know, against other people, right? He says, for our struggle, the battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it is. There is a battle, and it is against the, against the rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, the, the, that's the whole demonic realm, okay? That's the whole, the, you know, reality of Satan and, uh, and, and his demons. And here's what they're really, really trying to do, is get us off that, that narrow path, they're trying to get us away from the path of true discipleship where we are being conformed in every area of our lives, conformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, the reality is this. Discipleship is a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong journey. So I will be on this journey, as will you, all, year, all the days of my life until uh, Jesus returns or I'm you know, taken home. Okay? That's, that's the way this thing works. Now, I want to be as vigorous at 85. So my confession is I'm 45 right now. So 40 years from now, I pray that if I'm still on this earth, that I am as vigorous in my desire to, con to believe God in his promises, that, that I am as vigorous in my desire to be conformed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus as I have ever been. And I, I have been praying for you. I, I believe that, you know, in faith, I've been praying this week for every one of you. That I've actually interceded on for every one of you in this place. That God would put a vision of discipleship into your heart. That God would put a vision into you that says, I want to be that kind of a person with a different spirit I want to be someone that God looks and says, this is how I'm going to describe, you know? This is the way I'm going to describe Yari. I mean, he's a man with a different spirit. You know, that's a woman with a different spirit in her. Who, this is, somebody, this is a person that follows me wholeheartedly. I mean, you can try and imagine, try and imagine what it's like, what it's going to be like one day to hear the Lord speak over your life and said, you actually did it. You followed me wholeheartedly. But the reality is this. There's many, many that, are, that become disillusioned, and they become offended, uh, and they become hardened in heart, <laughs> and they just, 
That doesn't mean that, she, <laughs> that they were offended. They was agreeing with what I'm saying. But the reality is, is that offense creeps in. Offense creeps in. Time goes by, promises, you know, we have these, well, God, you said that you were going to do this. God, you said that I'd be married. God, you said that I'd get that job. God, I believe that I'd be healed. God, you know, and these kind of things. And we become offended and we draw back. But there's, a, there's an example, and this goes many, but I'm choosing to highlight the example of a man who at 85 years old stood and said, I am as vigorous now as I have ever been. You know what that means in our vernacular? I believe God as much as I ever have. I'm not offended with God in the least. I'm not offended at him. I trust him. I love him. I'm going out to battle on behalf of the Lord. That's a profound reality. That's a profound reality. I want to grow into that. I want to grow in. That's who I want to be when I grow up. That's the vision that I have. And I know, and I just, like, again, like, I, I was, I, I wrote, I, you know, I, I typed up my notes and all of this kind of stuff, and I'm, I'm driving over here, and, and everything, and the Lord reminds me, and it, like, discipleship. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't write that into the notes. I forgot to write that into the notes. He goes, don't forget discipleship. Tell them about, tell them to be disciples. Tell them that he wants, that this is what he wants. He, he's wanting us to become, to take discipleship seriously. You know, and so, I mean, honestly, just to get on the bandwagon here, like, the, the community aspect, that's part of it, okay? That's, you know, you learn about that. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to live in community? What does it mean to endure one another's humanity? And, and how do we actually do that? Really, let the reader understand. Okay? This is what God's calling us to. And I, I just believe, and I, I was praying on my, on, you know, I'm driving over here, and the Lord said, don't, don't forget to tell them about discipleship. And, and, I, and I was praying, you know, again, you know, for, for all of you. And I just, and my prayer was this. I said, God, would you deposit something? Would you deposit something into the hearts, into the spirit of every person who's here? Would you deposit something of your Holy Spirit into our spirit so that, we're at, so that we're different, something that abides, something that's beyond? I mean, honestly, who cares whether it's a lively presentation? I want God on the inside. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I want to be vigorous in my spirit. I want to long for God when nobody else is looking. And I've got a lot of opportunity because in the prayer room, when nobody's looking, there's not very many people there. So, but you can really, you can, you can just really go for it and just say, Lord, just wide, just open wide your spirit and say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to be fully yours. Make me, strengthen me, pour out of your glorious riches, strength on the inside. And you know, like I, I've been thinking about that. That's a famous prayer from Ephesians 3 that we pray a lot and everything. And I'm just like, oh God, pour your spirit out of your glorious riches, pour strength into me that I would be as vigorous as Caleb that I would be as, as strong as he is in my faith. Here we are tonight, and we believe that God is the God of miracles. Will you be that person 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 and 50 years from now? Will you still have that fire in you? 
Will you still dare to believe, like this is so that in my context, will you still dare to believe that night and day, let incense arise, that in the city of Edmonton, that there could be a 24-hour, seven days a week, never stops, worship and prayer. Like that's what that song was about. That's where that song was written, came out of the, out of the house of prayer movement crying out that there would be night and day. Let worship and prayer rise up without ceasing. And, that, and in my context, do you still believe that, Jim? Do you still? But I, would, I just say, yes, Lord, after all of these years. Yes, Lord. And then sometimes I doubt, and I go, no, Lord, I'm coming back, and I'm signing up again to believe in that. I'm, I'm just out of the overflow trying to give an expression of, of, the, of what it means for us. We're not going to war against human beings. That's ridiculous. That's lame. I don't want to do that. I, but, I, but against powers and principalities? In intercession? Being like Moses who says, no, Lord, forgive them. No, I have a vision of being able to pray over the whole capital region. Like, really, that my prayer could be and say, Lord, cover the whole, inner, the whole region with my prayers. You know? I think everybody should do that. We should just have, like, a corporate faith to believe over the region. Like, that's, you know, that's awesome. Anyways, that's another topic. I'll come and talk about that another time. Anyways, let me kind of wind this down. Uh, I want to come back to the notes that I wrote in 2002. Uh, when I last preached on, the, on Caleb. This, is, this, is, this quotation is from my notes uh, 17 years ago. Uh, I was really touched by it, and, I, and I, just, I signed up again for this. And I'm just saying before, you know, before angels and demons right now, I just, I'm signing up before the Lord. Here's what I said. Unless we have the conviction that the Lord is wanting to do something awesome and incredible in our generation, we will inevitably wander through life being satisfied and content with the status quo, and we will never press on to go beyond that. As for me, I want to be like Caleb. I want the Lord, I want the Lord to see a different type of spirit in me, one that is filled with faith and prayer. I want to pray for, un, now let, get, this, get this language because I'm at resurgence right now, but I, this is seven, from 17 years ago. I want to pray for unprecedented breakthrough of the Holy Spirit in our midst, full of faith that God desires to pour out his spirit up, upon us in greater and greater ways. And I just, like, honestly, I just, I read that, I'm like, I'm, like it's shaking when you read something that like you wrote 17, like 17 years ago. And you're like, do I still believe that? When I, you know, I stood up, I, you know, I, I, I preached that at Central Baptist Church where I was on staff, and, and, I, and I said, Lord, I believe that again. And so here, here I am at Shiloh Baptist Church, saying, Lord, I still believe again. I believe that you are the God of miracles. I believe that you are able to do far and abundantly, far and beyond what I can ask or imagine. And I say, Lord, I want to be a, I want to be a disciple. I want to be transformed into your image. I want to be entirely yours. We want to we want to pray for some people tonight, and you know, a few of you, maybe many of you, whoever the Lord, you know, whoever the Lord would stir. Uh, the Lord does more when we pray for one another. It's a principle that I've been taught over the years by great men of God. God does more when we pray for one another, and when we open ourselves up. You know, years ago, 
Um, when I first got called, the Lord called me dynamically, and I mean it was really, really dynamically, uh, out, uh, you know, into a, into, the life, into a life and ministry of prayer, of devoting my life to prayer. Like it was over 20 years ago. I was in a church that was almost identical to this, and I was seated right up there. Not in this church, in another church. I was seated right up there in the balcony. And I remember God touched me. And so when I walked in tonight, I actually thought, I was like, oh, Lord, would you, would you mark some people in the balcony? Would you mark some of the people in the balcony tonight? Would, you, would, you, would this be a defining moment? That was a defining moment for me. I can picture it. I could take you to the spot where I was. And I remember racing, literally. I'd never, ever responded to an altar call until that moment, like 20-plus years ago. Shoot, out down the stairs, up to the front. And there I was, ready to, to, to respond to, to, to the Lord and what He was saying. So I believe, I got faith tonight that God's going to mark people. I believe that He's going to mark you. I believe that tonight you do not have to be the same person that walked in this door. I believe that God can put a deposit in you. And I'm, I'm saying that in faith. I'm saying that in faith, not frothing up and all that. I'm a Baptist, I don't believe in that. Why don't you stand with me? Let's, let's have you stand. Yeah, Harris, come on up. Give me some. Let's just, let's just open our, ourselves to God. We have the ability to, to open ourselves up to God and we have the ability to close ourselves off to God. It's really our choice. So let's open, our, let's open our, our, ourselves to Him. Oh Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, your eyes are set upon this place. Your, your eyes really are. You're, you're very aware of each one of us. I thank you, God, that right now you know every person by name. And you know everything about us. I thank you tonight that there is nothing... Nothing is hidden before you. There's nothing that is hidden before you. So here we are. We just, we present ourselves. We would want to make ourselves vulnerable. We don't want to be defensive. We want to make ourselves vulnerable to you, Holy Spirit. Because there's things that you're wanting to say. There's things that you're wanting to say. There's... There's things, Lord Jesus, that you want to impart and deposit into us. And we want to receive them. We want to receive them tonight. God, I pray that you would make us to be men and women with a different spirit. I pray that you would make us 
men and women who love you wholeheartedly. I ask, Lord, I ask for the vision of that to be deposited into us. I ask for the vision to be implanted into us of one day, one day standing before you and hearing, hearing you say over us that we were like Caleb, that we were, we were men and women of a different spirit. Oh God, awaken faith in us. Reawaken, reawaken faith right now in us. Faith to believe. We dare to believe that you are as good as you say that you are. We would dare to believe that tonight. We would dare to believe that you are the Lord God Almighty who is able to overcome any obstacle, any challenge. God, there's, you know every challenge that, that we're facing. God, you know that the financial challenges that are in this room. You know the physical, the, the physical challenges related to illness that are in this room. Lord, you see the discouragement and the despair that are in our lives. And you're able, you, I just believe that tonight. I believe that you are the God who is able to overcome. So I just thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you are able. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.